We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Father, for the cross of Calvary that has brought us life eternal. Father, we thank you that your word says we have two or three of us are gathered in your name. There you are in the midst of us. And, and we thank you that there's more than two or three that are gathered in your name this morning. And Father, I pray that you come. I pray that you release a fresh anointing over every home and of every person watching this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you bring us a peace that's a possible understanding in this crisis and this time we But Father, I pray that we would choose, even as that word came this morning, that Father, we want to be resilient. We want to be those that obey your voice and hear your voice. And so we pray that you come, Holy Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Morning, morning, everybody. Good to and you guys are yeah, it's always good to see a full church or what full is. <laughs> so yeah, let's you know, they said let's go live and then now we've got a power paper. <laughs> we've got no lights, we've got no cameras, we got nothing. Alright, so it is what it is. I think I think in this I think in the season we run down, this stuff doesn't even face us anymore, you know, it's like, the lights went out. Oh yeah, the lights went out, yeah. <laughs> you got that? Oh yeah, we got that. You can have free will. Oh, we can have free will. But uh, I just trust that you guys can have a great time. Uh, where's all the ladies? Can you stand up? Can the ladies all stand up? Men, can we give them a hand? Happy Women's Day. <laughs> you guys are awesome. There are a couple of confused, I'm not sure if they're ladies or not. Um, <laughs> But uh, great to, guys, to have you guys here today and celebrate this real special day. Obviously, there's a more important announcement, and that's my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be 41 again. 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 All right, this morning I want to share uh, on Standing Strong. And it's a sermon that I've just been, I've, I've preached it many times over the last um, while. Because I, I really with all of my heart believe that this is our hour, our religion. In spite of the craziness, in spite of lockdown, in spite of regulations, in spite of them limiting us to 50 people, I still believe without a shadow of a doubt that this is the church's finest hour. I believe that this is the time that the church has to rise up. I believe that this is the time where we have to make things count as a church. And as believers, more than anything, I see the craziness happening out there. I see, you know, all the, the comments and things going out. And, and often I think there's a lot of believers that are actually starting to lose their faith a little bit, you know. But God, where are you in this process? What is happening? Why is this happening? And I said it last week, you know, the reason why we still got a virus is because the church is still not listening. And uh, I really believe that uh, in the season we're in right now that God is going to call us to stand up, to be above reproach, to be God's hand and His feet and His eyes and His ears in the season. And uh, I'm glad my message stands strong, but before I, I uh, tell you, uh, share my message, I wanted to share a story. Last year, exactly this time, so none of us went on our anniversary. And every year on our anniversary, we, last year we were married 29 years. So every year we book this holiday away, and last year it was exactly the Saturday that the world crumbled. 
started the Rugby World Cup. It was our first game against New Zealand. I refused to watch that game. I had a bad feeling about it. Um, but also, to be honest, I keep forgot it was World Cup opening game. I just booked this weekend. And I booked this weekend because Chantal has always wanted to live in a treehouse. She's always like, oh, that's so cool. You know, whenever she sees these treehouses on, oh, I'd love to live in a treehouse. So, of course, we're going to find now this treehouse for anniversary. So, we've got two days in the treehouse, and then we've got two days on the farm to celebrate the anniversary. But I'm telling you the story for a reason. Because when we got there um, to the place, it wasn't in the house, and it wasn't in a tree. It, just had, it had trees around it, and it was a tent. Right. So, so it was, it was gone, it was one of those nice, you know, those camp kind of a vibe in the trees it was cool, there were like eight units and you couldn't see anybody, um, and as you walked in, there was huge double doors off your bedroom that looked down this incredible valley, amazing valley, you know, just, you, the view went on forever. The funny part about our anniversary um, accommodation was that the bath was on the outside, so the bath was on the stoop. Uh, but it had glass around it, so it was cool, you know, because you could sit in the bath and look down the view. And of course, the toilet was on the stoop. So, so, so you sat on the toilet, you had this little wall, and then you could see the whole of the valley. So you were in nature, you know, kind of a thing. So the first night was really cool, you know, we were a little bit upset because when we got there, all they had was a weaver bra. And I'm thinking, oh, in Europe or what, you know? We, we make fire with wood in South Africa, and it's only charcoal. Disgusting. I mean, like, how do we have an anniversary weekend without a fire? You know, only charcoal. So, in any case, the first night, we have a great night. We laugh, we, we do our whole thing. And it was really a cool night, you know, it was, it was great. The next day, we went to the market, uh, tried to avoid the rugby, because they put us right next to, like, the main things. So I could actually hear the rugby, and I didn't want to hear the rugby. But the afternoon of the Saturday, a massive storm hits us. So you've got to understand, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the storm hits, and this wind is coming down this incredible valley. And of course, they built fantastic accommodation because now you've got the whole view of the valley, but it's also difficult because your open doors that open, open onto this valley now, all right? So all the wind comes belting down this valley, and it starts raining. But I mean, I say rain, it's like raining. The time that it started raining, we were in the bar, having a romantic bar, right? <laughs> so now you can understand, it's belting with rain. We actually can't see out of the windows because the rain's at hot. But now we've got this other thing is, we need to get back into the house. <laughs> so, so we've got to get out of this bar and then run to the stoop up the stairs and in the room. And I don't know about you guys, when you go on anniversary, you just take the towel, you know what I mean? You don't take all your clothes, it was a space for clothes. So, so let's see Chantal about the south side. Let's see how we need to now make our way back to the room now. But now it's this proper store. It's like it's like a real store. So in any case, we, we get our towels and everything and we shoot into this into this tent thing. The worst part about it is that if you needed to go to the bathroom, that was an issue. Because when you stood in the front of the, of the toilet like this, the wind and everything was at the guard. You see, so you just got impelled. It felt like somebody shooting you with a pen and going from behind. So tell us if you go to the ball, she just like, stayed in the tent. Why well, I'm telling you the story is because the wind ripped that tent so badly that I genuinely didn't think we were going to make the night. Not in the sense of we're going to die. In the sense of this tent is not going to make it. I mean, this thing was blowing all over the place. We were sitting on the bed thinking, oh Lord, are we going to survive this anniversary? You know, it was pelting down, it was raining, the tent started dripping, you know, everything was rattling. You know what it's like in a tent when you camp? 
And uh, early the next morning, we decided, okay, you know, this is it. We're done here. Yeah? You know, this 10, 3 hours experience, fantastic, great stuff, but we're out of here. The next venue we went to, we took a long drive around the mountain, and, and uh, you'll get my point. But the next venue we went to was an old farmhouse. And who, who knows those old farmhouses? They, they haven't got walls, they, they, they built like fortresses. They must be, you know, the walls must be like 30 centimeters, you know, thick. You know what I mean? It's like hard, solid place. And, and, and the house is built so that the, when the weather comes over the mountain, it actually hits the back of the house. You know what I mean? And so the front of the house is, is cool. Of course, we weren't really excited because this place had a fireplace, so we could make fire. But the storm that hit us the night before hit us the Sunday night as well. And it hit us on the farm. The difference was this, is that the farmhouse was sturdy. And the farmhouse had all the bad weather coming from the back. And in all the crazes and the storm and the lightning was happening, so I found myself able to sit on the stoop, make a fire, and actually enjoy the rain that was falling. Now, now I'm telling you the story because we had two different encounters in two different weekends, or, or two different days. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus starts to speak about a wise man and a foolish man and how we will. And before he does that, you know that Jesus speaks and so if you can go read chapter 6 and chapter 7, Jesus is really speaking and he's speaking on judgment and he's speaking about, you know, be careful of speaking uh, what you're in your brother's eye when you've got a log in your own eye. He starts speaking about that. He starts speaking about the narrow gate and the broad gate. And so Jesus gives him all these examples and he builds right up to verse 24 in chapter 7. And he says this, And therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, now, you, we always miss that part. We always run to the next part of the sermon or the, or the scripture. But he says, whoever hears this word of mine or obeys these words of mine, what is the words he speaks about? You've got to go read it. He speaks about the narrow and the broad gate. He speaks about forgiveness. He speaks about judgment. He speaks about unconditional love. He speaks about all these things to build up to this. And he says that you've got to understand something, that when you listen, I think Uncle Lou said this morning, that when you listen to my word, when you get to a place where you understand what I'm saying, you will start to understand verse 24. And verse 24 starts off this, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these words saying of mine, and does them, they've got to understand, not just hearing, but he says you've got to act on what it is that you've been taught. It is great to hear a sermon, it is great to, to read a scripture, it is great to, you know, study material and to do Bible study, but if we do not add that word to our life, Jesus basically says it means nothing to us. That the word of God will remain a storybook to you and I. And we can read this thing five times, ten times, a hundred times. We can read it every year. But if you and I do not come to the place where we add this word to our lives. That's what Jesus said. When you've heard these sayings of mine and you've done what I've asked you to do. He says then, then when you do that, he says, then you are like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. He says the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And so it's important on what we build as well. You know, so often we want to build on our past. So often we want to build on hurts and pains of the past. So often we want to build on, you know, our, our, our holy divine moment where we have an encounter with God, and we stuck there. We almost like we just get stuck at that one place. We don't move on from there. 
And we've got to understand that as a church and as a people, we are, we are at the moment in a crisis. We are in the storm of world right now. And, and Jesus said that, that even in the storm right now, there are certain things that require of you. One, don't judge. Two, love. Three, remember that there's a narrow gate and a broad gate. He carries on that famous scripture, I think it's in, in verse 20 or 20, uh, somewhere out there, where he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's a story, it's a scripture that always rattles us. What did he mean by not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, into the kingdom of heaven? Not everyone said, Lord, did I not pass? I deem it your name. Did I let hands on the sick and they were well? And he says, and Jesus carries on verse 24 and he says, Now, if you've heard these sayings of mine and do them, and so often we only hear stuff, but we never act on what God is calling us to do. He says, do you like the man that built his house upon the rock? Now, she's almost up his face with that. You know, we sat at one location and we feared for our life. And in the exact same storm, in the exact same area, the next night, we were in a house built of brick. It was solid. It was strong. The wind storms were coming from the back. We could light the fire. We could sit on the stoop. We could laugh until what hours in the morning. We burned bags and bags and bags. Why? Because we felt secure in that house. But when we were in that tent, it was like our lives were going to come to an end. It's like we're going to die. Yeah. You know, other than that, we're going to freeze to death. One of the two. I mean, the next morning I wake up and our chocolate is just all over the place. You know, the rain is heated. Everything is heated. And so often we build on something that looks cool, something that looks good, but it cannot withstand the storm. You see, you can understand something right now, that your faith is a thing that has been tested right now. Your very foundation of your faith has been tested right now. Right now, God is saying, so what have you built your life on? Is it on the Word of God? Is it on the truth of God? Is it on just the stories that you've heard out there? Is it just the, the nativity play that we watch every single year? Or our Easter show every day? We built on that. But the Word of God says that you have to build on the rock, Christ Jesus. That is it. He says the foolish man, in the same sense, but he says, sorry, listen to this. He says, but everyone who hears these words saying of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and it, its fall was great. Listen to that. It says its fall was great. And so we've encountered that in our lives. We've encountered those storms that we go through. We've encountered as believers, there are times where we got the faith and pulled through. But there are other mornings that all of us wake up and go, oh God, you know, why? Why are we going through this? Why is the car broken again, you know? Why are we in the wife fighting again? You've got to understand something. That in Corinthians it says that everything we build, we either going to build with hay, wood, or stubble, or precious stones, gold, or silver. And he says that everything, he says that everything that we build will be tested by fire. What does it mean? It will be tested by trials and tribulations and difficult things. That is what it is. And he says, and those things that are built with hay, wood, and stubble will be consumed. But those pure, those things like special stones and gold and silver, they get more purified, the more pressure and the more fire is added to them. And we're in a season right now where how we're building is going to determine our future. What we're building on is going to determine our future. I, I cannot believe, and I speak to pastors and I speak to elders of different churches and I speak to church members, and I physically speak to people and pastors 
that I want you to give up. They're tired. They're exhausted. They've got, when is this thing going to end? What is happening? You know, we, we're going to keep a smile on our face and, and make sure that we're happy all the time and, and we're in a good mood all the time and, and we're positive right now. And I know that every single one of you grow weary in the season. You're thinking about your economy. You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about your kids. You're thinking about what's happening with the school year. You're thinking about what's going to happen with church. Are we ever going to open? What is happening around us? Now, let me tell you something today. And, and hear me here. I, I really prayed about this. And I really prayed in, in what I felt that God was saying. I'm not going to say, thus says the Lord this morning. Because sometimes there's a little bit in me. And, and this is not a conspiracy theory. But I really sat this week and I thought, God... What is it that you're saying to the church right now? What is it that the church needs to hear? You see, in Jeremiah 12, verse 5, one of my favorite scriptures, all right? And it says this, If you run with horse footmen and they've worn you out, how can you contend with horses? If you run with footmen and they've worn you out, how can you contend with horses? It's an incredible statement. Because things have not got that bad that you and I are about to die. There's no persecution over our lives right now. Do you know there's no loose hanging on the market square that wants to hang every single Christian out there? Yes, they might have shut down the church a little bit. Yes, they might have done some stuff. But not one of you, not right now, not one of you, your life's in danger. This is not a persecution thing. And God is saying to His church right now, listen here, if you are battling to contend with the nonsense that is going on around us right now, what happens when things get really tough in our lives? What when the economy really falls apart? What happens when they really close down the church? What happens when they really separate from our family? You see, the second part of the scripture says, if, And if in the land of peace in which you trust, they wear you out, then how will you do in the floodplains of Jordan? That in the season you're in right now, if you get weary and you get burnt out and you get tired to serve Jesus and the church and love God with all of your heart and understand what God is saying, He says, how are you going to contend with things get really tough? And I said to God, what is the season that we're in right now? And I really felt with all my heart, alright, that, that, that I just believe, this is me, okay, I'm not saying that's at all, but this is me. Let me tell you something, church. We're in a dress rehearsal for the rapture right now. The world is very busy preparing the world for the rapture. You've got to understand something. We're sitting with a virus that they said is the most dangerous virus ever. We've got 700,000 deaths. And please, don't get me wrong here. I'm not belittling anybody that's passed away from this thing. But we've got 7 billion people on the earth. There are more people that die of salvation every single month. There are more abortions that can take place every single year than, than what COVID has claimed. You've got to understand that. You've got to put this into perspective. We're sitting in South Africa with 600,000 infections and 9,000 deaths. We lose 124,000 people a year because of flu. Luckily this year nobody has died of flu. <laughs> but listen to what I'm saying to you. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Because let me tell you something. I spoke to Michael Torch this week. And, and, and I was saying, you know, I've still got 12 years before I retire. And I said, I, I had to get to the place and realize something. That I might face another pandemic in my ministry. 
I might very well face another pandemic in the next five to six years. Why? Because all of a sudden, these pandemics are happening more and more often. What's happening? That the world is desensitizing us to a pandemic. Now think about this. Let's think about this one for a second. That the world's in chaos. Economies are shut down. There's so much money that is spread all over the place. Our government borrowed 500 billion brands or whatever. You know, we don't even know where that's gone to. Alright? And yet you've got to understand something that we've got a very, very low fatality rate, 1%, I think. Now, in five years' time, they will come up with a more deadly pandemic. And it's going to be more deadly than before. Now, you've got to understand why this is happening. This is me. But let me tell you something that when the rapture takes place, it's going to be like the world is used to pandemic viruses. Now we've got 7 billion the people. Let's be safe. Let's say that 2 billion people get raptured. This is not your body. This is me. Your body's not going anywhere. Your body's staying behind. You're going to wake up. Somebody is going to wake up one day when the rapture has taken place and Jesus has called his church back and we're going to have 2, two, two billion dead people laying on earth. I'm speaking about doctors. I nearly said lawyers, the boss helps me. I'm not sure that will go. I'm sure that will go. But you speak about doctors and lawyers and car salesmen. And you can speak about nurses and church pastors. And you can speak about medical people that are going to be gone like this in an instant. Can you, if you think, if you think that 700,000 people has caused chaos in the world, can you imagine what it's going to be like when 2 billion people drop dead? And the world has to have an excuse for those that are left behind. The world's going to have to have an excuse. Oh, well, this is the world for the deadliest virus out there. No, no, no. We've gone. Let me tell you something. The day that you find two billion people laying dead in the world, welcome to the first day of the seven years of tribulation, China. Listen to what I'm saying to you. The world is desensitizing us to what is happening around us. The world has got us in a panic. Think about it. We've got 9,000 deaths. That's more people being killed in car accidents a year than when we have a COVID. And our economy has collapsed. Three million jobs have been lost. And you know what the weirdest part about the rapture is going to be? That the church is not going to be here. Think about it. The church is not going to be here. Not everyone that calls their Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And they're going to turn around and they're going to say, oh, but it can't be in the church because they're all still here. Because there might be a couple of churches that get raptured. Some of you might even attend, rock up at church the following Sunday and realize the past and everyone are gone. <laughs> but the church will carry on. Because not all churches are blood, all churches that, that understand the calling and the purpose of God upon their lives and what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. All the other religions are still going to carry on. And all of a sudden, during the seven worst years of your life, if you think an economy collapses now with 700,000 people dying, imagine what it's going to be like with 2 billion. If you think we've got chaos in the hospitals now, wait till 2 million people fall down, 2 billion people fall down there. You want how their government is digging 1,500, 1.5 billion graves. Keep them open. Keep them open. But you see, the problem is, is that we've got caught up in too much and we don't see the future. We don't see that this is our hour. Please, 
That's not a conspiracy theory. That's just God's son telling you what I think is going to happen. Because I believe now the world is preparing the world for the rapture. And they're going to brush it off like nothing ever took place. And if 700,000 deaths can cause a pandemic and the crisis and the economy collapse and, and the Wall Street collapsing and 3 million jobs, imagine what it's going to look like when 2 billion people get taken off the face of the earth. And I want to say this to you today. You don't want to be here on the first day of the seven years of tribulation. Because it's going to be impossible to buy food without a mark. It's going to be impossible to go to a shopping center with somebody accepting some kind of a vaccination. So think about it. And I know I'm not being heavy with you this morning, but this is the reality that we face. That this generation might still see another pandemic. And this generation might still see the rapture take place. And I want to say to everyone that's out there that's listening today, when you see two million people drop dead, welcome, because you're in the seven years of tribulation. But I believe we have this chance right now to step up. I believe we have this window of opportunity right now as a church to stand up and be counted. It is our responsibility to make sure that we take as many people with us as possible. You see what's happened right now is the world has got us all caught up in all kinds of stuff. Instead of seeking the word of God, like Jesus said, if you get these principles in you and you become a doer of my word, it doesn't matter what storm will come your way, it doesn't matter what pandemic will come your way, it doesn't matter what virus will come your way, it doesn't matter what economic crisis will come your way, when you're rooted in Christ Jesus, you're more than enough. That you will make it, that you will be a conqueror, that you will be victorious, that you will be the head and not the tail. But it all depends on what we build on. We cannot build on this any fair Christianity anymore. We cannot get to this place where we pick up our Bible once a week and it's only to carry it to the church and carry it back home again. We fight all over the world about how many knees we need to take. Let me tell you something. You don't need to take one knee. You need to get on both knees. Because that is where the power is. That is where the power is. That is what God wants to do. And we need to become a church that is praying. We need to become a word church that we take the word and we add it to our lives. That we live according to the love and the grace and the mercy of God. That we don't live in judgment of people. That we don't condemn people. That we don't get to a place all of a sudden where we turn people away. But we come to a place where everyone's accepted amongst us. If you run with men, and it's born you out. How are we going to compete with the day when it will arrive? How will we manage the next pandemic? How will we manage the next crisis? And you could understand something that the two biggest religions in the world, the Christian church and the Muslim church, that we thought we were so powerful in our individual rights. We thought, well, the church of Jesus Christ never failed, and the Muslims believe that they've got the greatest religion in the world. And let me tell you something, within a matter of 30 seconds, one guy made a decision and shut it all down. One man made a decision and shut it all down. We've got 7 billion, we've got 7, what's it, 70 million people in South Africa. 70 million people in South Africa. And one old lady in her 70s, Woke up in a bad mood one morning. 
And there goes your your tobacco, your wine, your socializing, your family time. Gone. Gone. Think about it. We laugh about it, but think about it. That one person had so much power that they shut down the entire economy. They shut down every single church. They shut down every single shopping center. They shut down every single restaurant. They stopped you from meeting with your own family. Your kids were kicked out of school and sent home. Think about it. One person, one person made all of those decisions for us. And where's the church? Well, oh Lord, thank you for the 50. And yet the word of God says that we will handle the sick and they will be well. That we will cast our demons to those who believe. And if we truly believe and we build our life on the rock Christ Jesus and we understand what this word says and what it means that every promise that God has given you and I is yes and amen. That healing But we sit back and we think, well, you know what? Let someone else do it. There's the in one industry, I'm not going to mention their names. But they get what they want in this country. Why? Because they stand up for themselves. Yeah. Everyone says, oh, the government's collapsing. No, the government's not collapsing. They understand the power of numbers. Yeah. They understand that, hey, if we don't operate, we shut down this economy further. Yeah. And the church needs to get to that place. Are we just going to be happy and go to what, next year with 50 people? And I'm not saying let's go to rebellion and let's do this thing. But you and I need to be praying like we've never prayed before. You and I need to spend time in the Word of God and say, Father, what is it that you desire of me in this season? How do I need to be praying in this season? What does the church need to do in this season? We've got people that are terrified to come to church because of COVID. But I catch him in pick and pay after the service for the whole family. <laughs> Think about it. You go to work every single day, you work with 60 other people. But church is out of bounds. It's too dangerous to come to church. We're brying on the beach, but it's too dangerous to come to church. And I might, I might be a little bit of a, a chop right now, but you know something? This is what matters. The Word of God says, neglect not the fellowship of the saints. There's power in You know, there's power in getting together. There's power in worshiping together. There's power in praying together. There's power in fellowshiping together. The Word of God says, where two or three of us are, there he is in the midst of us. Right here, this place is filled with the presence of God and the power of God. And God wants to do something significant in your life. Or you can just be that guy that built that house on the sand. And the storms are coming. We know we're near through this pandemic. There's still going to be more job losses. And more court cases. And more arguments. And auntie's going to make more decisions that are going to drive you mad. But listen to me. You have to stand firm in this season. This is not a time for you to back down. This is not a time for you to lose your faith. This is not a time to take this thing and put on your bedside cabinet. This thing should be open 24-7. You should not take one knee. You should take both knees in the season we're in. 
right now. Why? Because the church has to arise. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. He says, Deep dark will cover the face of the earth, but we will rise up. That's what Isaiah 60 says. That a deep darkness will cover the face of the earth, but we will rise up. And if we are not going to rise up and we're not going to be counted, then you know what? We may as well close the church doors and go home and watch it on TV. Because how much longer do we just take it? Or do we pray until something happens? Do we come together and pray until something happens? You see, you've got to understand something. The Word of God says that all leaders and all government are godly appointed. And if a leader and a government is godly appointed, it can also be godly removed. Yes. Remember that. I'm not being politically. I'm saying be careful. Be careful we don't lose our focus right now. Be careful we don't lose our hope in God right now. And I don't know what season or what life you find or what time you find yourself in right now. But start to open your eyes and start to see what is happening around you. One day, we're not going to be here. Are we in the end times? I don't believe we're in the end times yet. I still think there's a lot that needs to be happening. I think the Word of God said the Gospel needs to be preached to the ends of the earth. I was in Prague with people have never heard about Jesus. So the Gospel has not reached the ends of the earth yet. But I'll tell you something. In the next few years, we better check out. Yeah. And we better become the mighty army that the church once was. Amen. And we need to rise up and start to understand something that God wants to do the impossible through you. Amen. Sometimes we need to move our issues one side. Sometimes we need to move our, our situation one side. Sometimes we need to move our crosses one side. Sometimes we need to move our finances one side and say, God, what is it that you desire of me right now? You see, when God rocks up, we all actually people why? When there's money in the bank, and we've got a nice car, and our kids like us, and our wives love us, you know, and, and our job is good, and we're getting a salary, things are fine. Things are great. The problem is this, when things get really tough, how do we respond? When we haven't got a job, how do we respond? When that relationship's not working out, how do we respond? When our kids become rebellious, how do we respond? When, when life happens and, and, and craziness happens around us, how do we respond? There's an old saying, and I'm pleased to cliche that it says, your attitude will damage your altitude. Your attitude towards your, crazy, your craziness right now, towards your situation right now, that is important. I mean, I am so tired of seeing Christians on Facebook and having that woe to me attitude. Oh Lord, if you love Jesus, send us to 10 people. <laughs> and you have to vote for Jesus. Please share. Come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? And I want to challenge you today. Imagine if we spent as much time in the Word as what we do on Facebook. Imagine what the world would look like if we switched off channel 4 or 3 and got into the Word of God. You see, this yeah, the word says, is the good news. This is the good news. This is the manual to life. 
But you want to know something? Read this. You want to answer to something? Read this. You now to sort out your finances? Read this. You want to sort out your family? Read this. This is why God gave us. God wasn't bored and decided, well, I'm going to write a book right now. Like most pastors. You know, let's write a book. This, this is not like, oh, this is like a cool story, let's do it. No. This was for you. This was one of God's greatest gifts besides Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. This was for you. This. To give you life and life abundantly. To let you walk in the purpose and the plan and the calling that God has for you. The Word of God says in Genesis that, that God walked with Adam in the still of the night. Let me tell you something. We are 6,000 years from there and God still desires that more than anything. To walk with you in the still of the night. It's time to get tough. It's time to grow up. It's time to believe in yourself. It's time to believe in the calling of God upon your life and the purpose that God has for you in the church. It's time that you be brave. It's time that you be bold. It's time that you be courageous right now. Because we can be very selfish and say, well, this is only about me. As long as I'm making it to heaven, I'm cool. I, you know, as long as that gate, when I rock up there, is narrow, you know what, that might be. Not what it's about. Not what it's about. He uses the broad gate because he says many. Many. And then people say, oh, but how can a loving God do that? He's not a loving God that's rejected us. It's mankind that's rejected God. It is time. It is time. It is time. I spoke to a pastor the other day and uh, he was speaking about how great it's going to be when the church opens one day. And my first response was, yeah, but I don't really think it's going to happen like that. I don't think people are going to come. And I'm what? I'm already holding spare chairs for this church to put on the outside of these windows. Because I'm praying that when, when, when our friend opens the churches again, then we're going to be too small. And you know why we're going to be too small? Why? Because you guys have done your job. You guys have done your job. You brought one more person to the narrow gate. If you're competing with men on foot and they've worn you out, if you've built your house on a story or a fable or some kind of religion, let me tell you something, like in the tent, the storms will come. And you can either sit there in fear and say, I wonder if this is going to make it. Or you can build it on the rock Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what the storm does. Your fire is going and you're at peace. Why? Because you feel strong and you feel safe in this place right now. And so I want to say to you, just come and spend more time with God. Come and see what is happening in the world out there. Come and start to understand something. That the world is preparing for something. And I want you to start to see what the world is preparing. Because fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Can we stand? Father, we thank you for this time. And Father, we want to get to a place in our life where it's all about you. It's all about your presence. 
It's all about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's about us being bold and courageous. It's about us being tough. It's about us understanding the signs of the times right now. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come and that you would flood our heart, our minds, and our souls with peace right now. It doesn't matter what's happening out there, Father. It doesn't matter if they're trying to close the church. It doesn't matter what they're trying to do. Father, we want to be like the sons of Issachar. The word says that the sons of Issachar knew the signs of the time. And I want to pray that you'd reveal to us and reveal your heart to us and reveal what is happening around us right now. And Father, may what we build be built on the rock, Christ Jesus, right now. And those that are built on the sand, may we pick up that place. And may we just go and find somewhere solid to build. And may we build on the Word and on Christ Jesus. And I pray for every person that is sick today. Every person that is a little bit depressed. Every person that is struggling. There's many out there that need you right now, Father. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you touch them right now in their place of need. It doesn't matter what they're facing. You are the God of the impossible. Devil sings, sings that song, Father, which says, There's a miracle right here in this room. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, Father, that when we gather together and when your presence comes, your word says that in your presence there is peace and there is joy and there is fullness of life and there is deliverance and there is healing. And right there where you're sitting or right there where you're standing right now, you know what, I just want you to just put up your right hand and please, there's nothing political or just. But I just want to say, you know, Father, here I am. Whatever it is we have to journey, Give us the strength to journey it. Whatever we have to face, give us the strength to face it with boldness and courage. But more than that, we put up a hand and we say, Holy Spirit of God, come and reveal the heart of the Father to us in Jesus' name. May you be glorified in everything we say, we do, we see, we hear this week. May your glory flood our heart, our minds, and our souls this week. And may the church of Jesus Christ arise. And may the church of Jesus Christ be counted. And I speak and pray over every pastor in the city, every church, every Christian spiritual church right now, that they would get it, Father, that you're calling us higher right now. You're calling us into a new place and to the next place. And it doesn't matter what the world throws at us. It doesn't matter what speeches are. It doesn't matter what figures are out there. Our faith and our hope is in you alone. Christ alone, cornerstone, and we bless you, we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Have a blessed uh, Sunday, don't forget we have a prayer meeting on Tuesday night, at 6, and we ask that you guys join us, but bless you guys, cheers. <laughs>